0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malkanji. 15 benefits of fasting and prayer, part two. I'm going to go through the first, I think the first eight that we did yesterday, just to give people that are tuning in today that weren't on yesterday a little synopsis, or a recap rather, as to what we discussed yesterday. Number one benefit, all of these are listed out of Isaiah 58. So if you go to Isaiah 58, you can read every single one of these benefits uh, for yourself. But I'm going to give you a summary of what Isaiah... Uh, speaks on and actually it finishes off that chapter by saying the mouth of the lord has spoken so this is benefits god by his mouth has listed out for you number one to loose the bonds of wickedness fasting breaks spiritual bondage number two to undo heavy burdens fasting and prayer breaks the cycle of depression and anxiety in your life number three to let the oppressed go free. Fasting and prayer destroys demonic oppression. Number four, to destroy the yoke. Fasting and prayer invokes the anointing of God to snap yokes of addiction and sinful habits off your neck. Number five, fasting and prayer gives you unhindered access to the light of God's word. Your light shall break forth. Number six, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Fasting and prayer taps you into God's healing process. Number seven, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Fasting and prayer produces a 360 degree shield covering even your blind spots. Number eight, and this is where we stopped yesterday, you shall call and the Lord will answer you. Fasting and prayer will, gi- will bring you expedited answers to your prayers. If ever you find that you've been praying for something and it seems like it's just clogged up and there's obstacles and hindrances and you've been praying for year after year and there's no improvement in that situation, try fasting. Fasting biblically has proven to be a tool that unclogs the spiritual pipeline whereby God can funnel to you prayers, uh, answers to your prayers. And um, Daniel is a perfect example of that. Daniel chapter 10, 21 days, he's fasting and praying. And when Gabriel came after the 21st day, Gabriel said from the very first day that you opened up your mouth to pray, I was sent to answer you, but the demon prince over the air of Persia withstood me these 21 days. But as Daniel fasted and prayed, it actually released heavenly reinforcements to free up Gabriel so that he can bring the answer to Daniel's prayers. And that's what happens. Remember, life is not funfair. Life is is warfare life is not carnal life is not uh firstly or primarily flesh and blood life is spiritual the spiritual world preceded the physical world the material world and so there is a world beyond what we can see and hear paul says it this way in ephesians six twelve: we wrestle not against flesh and blood but our warfare is against spiritual forces in heavenly places and the um, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Paul says that though we walk in the flesh our weapons of warfare are not fleshly but they are powerful enough to subdue spiritual adversaries and oppositions so that we can have victory and act and live as more than conquerors because of Christ who loved who loved us and gave himself up for us. So let's finish this off the last the last 7 benefits to fasting and prayer listed in isaiah 58 before i do that i felt prompted in my spirit to just read this which is actually going to be an amazing uh preface for this broadcast romans chapter 8 and let's start with verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit So Paul says here that there's people who walk according to the flesh, and there's people who walk according to the spirit. There's a a difference between Christians who are carnal people, who never take time to fast, who don't pray very much, and people who are spiritually minded Christians. And in this chapter, he actually makes a distinction and contrasts both both uh, categories of Christians. Remember in First Corinthians chapter one, Paul starts off his letter by commending the Corinthian church saying, they're holy, beloved, called of God, set apart, sanctified, on their way to heaven. But in chapter three he says, "You guys are all carnal. you're carnal Christians. you walk according to the flesh. Yeah, you're saved, but you're fleshly people, you're not spiritually minded. And so in Romans chapter 8, he makes a contrast between the lifestyles of those who are fleshly and those who are spiritual, those who are carnal and those who have a spiritual mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that the natural man, the carnal mind, does not understand the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he receive them fleshly carnal Christians cannot receive the blessings that God has to offer. People that are caught up in the flesh cannot walk in the fullness of the blessing of Jesus Christ. There are always uh, people that are going through vicious cycles of frustration. There's always setbacks. There's always, there's, there's no grease or CLR on the or or lubricant that's lubricating their life the machine of their life so that it flows freely and unhindered here's what paul says we don't walk according to the flesh but we walk according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in a likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, who don't walk according to the flesh. I want you to make that confession today in the comment section. I don't walk according to the flesh. I don't walk according to the flesh. I walk by the Spirit. Add that in. I don't walk according to the flesh, I walk by the Spirit. I don't walk by the flesh, I walk by the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. I don't walk by the flesh, I walk by the Spirit. That's a great confession you can make every single day. I don't walk by the flesh, I walk by the Spirit. And it's important to understand the difference between walking by the flesh and walking by the Spirit. And Paul outlines that here. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So when you're carnally minded, when you don't fast for a long time, and the flesh sets in, and your flesh becomes the dominating force in your life, you start to have distractions in your life. You start to have your attention veer away from that which matters to that which is temporal and not eternally, uh, not 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 eternally um essential when you start to have the when the flesh begins to have a dominating influence in your life your attention you start to draw away to vain things matter of fact in the book of psalms psalm 119 the psalmist writes turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and graciously incline my eyes my attention to thy law One of the things fasting and prayer will do for you, and it's an unlisted benefit that I should have probably put down in these 15 benefits, but this will be a bonus one. One of the things fasting and prayer will do for you is it turns away your attention from useless vain distractions that are satanic attempts to get you off track and off the course of God for your life. Paul says, when you are in the flesh, one of the ways you can tell that I need to go on a fast because I'm in the flesh right now is when my attention is drawn, my mind is set on earthly things. In the book of Colossians chapter three, Paul says, we who have been raised up with Christ should no longer set our mind on earthly things but on heavenly things where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, Set your mind on heavenly things and not on earthly things. Paul said, When you walk in the flesh, it's a natural thing. Your mind is going to be set on earthly distractions, which will render you useless and make you no heavenly good, I've heard this many times, especially when I got, when I first got saved, and I began, uh, I began to to read my Bible a lot, and I started to quote scriptures, and just scriptures started to come out of me, when I was just in conversation, I remember people would say, you're becoming too heavenly minded, that you're no earthly good, and I remember that just hitting my spirit so wrong, because It's not you becoming more heavenly minded that your usefulness on earth is diminished and devalued. It's quite the opposite. The more you are heavenly minded, the more useful you are on earth. The more you put on the mind of Christ, the more impact, the more of an asset you will be to your generation. The less heavenly minded you are, the less earthly good you will be. Now, I'm not saying you become some weird, hyper-spiritual Christian that just talks in parables all the time, but parables that don't even make sense. I don't mean you're some ethereal, mystical Christian that there's no difference between you and someone who practices New Age spiritualism. I mean true spirituality operating... By scriptural principle, you become heavenly minded when you operate by scriptural principles and by operating those scriptural principles, you render yourself very, um, very impactful on this earth. Paul says those who set their mind or who walk in the flesh set their mind on the flesh, but those who walk in the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is against God. Enmity, an enemy of God. When the mind, the carnality of the flesh becomes dominant in its influence in your life, you actually begin to think along the lines of things that are opposite to God the carnal mind is enmity against God it cannot even it's not subject to the law of God nor indeed can it be those who walk in the flesh can never please God Romans 8 8 for those who walk in the flesh cannot please God but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit verse 12 therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So that's what fasting and prayer is. We are by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the flesh. We are suppressing, we are eliminating the influence of the flesh on our lives, and we are telling the Holy Spirit and God the Father and the Son, we are telling the Holy Trinity, it's your way. I'm going your way this year. We are dying to self. We are decreasing, and he is increasing in us. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Paul, who was a great and of a prominent apostle, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a brilliant, brilliant man, and when he got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, he shook his world, his generation. Yet even Paul, years after his uh, beginning his ministry, writing to the Corinthian church, he says, look, we all run in a race, but we have to run in such a way that we may win. And in verse 27 he says, even I discipline my body and I put it under. That's what f- fasting and prayer is. You're putting your body under. You're putting that carnal nature under You're suppressing the appetites, desires, and influence of the flesh. And you're saying, God, you must increase. I will will decrease. Paul said, I put my flesh under in subjection to my spirit. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So even Paul said... I have to assume responsibility of fasting regularly to put my flesh under so that it never becomes the barking dog in my life where I'm totally influenced in the direction of it. I put my flesh under lest I should be disqualified. Even Paul, the great apostle said, there's risk of me being being disqualified from my assignment and for what, what God's called me to do. If I don't discipline myself in practicing this spiritual discipline of fasting and prayer, it is very important to take time. Just a little preface for the entire broadcast. It is very important, imperative, essential to take time to fast and pray, to make sure, you know, there's the old analogy that an old preacher said. You have two dogs barking in your life. You have the flesh dog and you have the spirit dog. And not the Holy Spirit, your spirit man. Your spirit man, remember Jesus said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Pray always that you fall not into temptation. So you have a spirit man who is willing. Your spirit man desires to serve God. Your spirit man is interested in following the path and call of God. But your flesh man, that carnal man, is a dog that keeps on barking, trying to get your attention. And the dog that you feed the most is who's going to win in the battles of life. You can feed your flesh day after day, week after week, and never even take thought in fasting and prayer. And you're going to be what Paul lists out in Romans 8 as a carnal, pre, a carnal person, a carnal Christian. But if you take time to starve that flesh man and say, hey, body, stomach, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. Do you, do you know that Philippians, Paul tells the Philippians church that there's people whose gods is their appetites. That their stomach, their God is their belly. Their belly rules their life. They, they are totally dominated by their stomach. Not just their physical stomach, but their fleshly appetites and lusts and desires. Matter of fact, in James chapter 1, the Bible says, those who fall into temptation are drawn away by their own fleshly lusts and when they fall into temptation it gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown it brings forth death so the way to cut that thing and uproot it at the at the uh, the root and nip it in the bud is to to tell your your your, your stomach to tell your flesh to tell your body your carnal mind, uh, carnal man you're not in charge and to prove that you're not in charge I'm going to take dominion over my strongest urge, which is to eat. The strongest urge you have in life is eating. And so if you can take dominion, that's why people that fast and pray are generally very disciplined, consistent people, because they've learned to take control over their strongest urge. And if their strongest urge, which is eating, has no influence on them and can't dominate, rule, or control them, then all the other urges of the flesh are under that. So let's go through the remainder of the 15 benefits of fasting and prayer. Number nine, benefit of fasting and prayer. The Lord will guide you continually. Ezra chapter eight and verse 21. Divine direction is a product of fasting and prayer. When you fast and pray, you engender divine direction for your life. It produces divine direction for your life why because when you fast and pray we just talked about it the first 20 minutes of this broadcast you are neutralizing your flesh man we said before in romans 8 it says your carnal man is at odds with god it's against god it is an enemy of god your carnal man cannot subject to the law of god it doesn't hear it doesn't receive transmission When God speaks to a person, he speaks via your spirit. You are a spirit man. When God speaks, he doesn't speak to your mind. He doesn't speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit man. So one of the ways we can crank up the volume of God's voice so that we can receive clear transmissions from heaven is by eliminating that middle wall that stands between us and hearing God's voice, which is the filter of the flesh. The carnal man. When you fast and pray, you're neutralizing that filter. You're removing. You're eliminating that filter so that there's no hindrances. There's no cell phone tower blockers. You know in some buildings you go into them and uh, you have terrible, terrible reception on your phone and you don't understand why? Sometimes it's because they have cell phone tower blockers. uh, The flesh is like a cell phone tower blocker. It hinders you from receiving heavenly transmissions. When you fast and pray, those blockers are turned off so that there's a clear transmission and you can hear clearly. uh, Ezra chapter 8 verse 21, they're at a place now where they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're, they just, Ezra's leading the Israelites back out of captivity and into Jerusalem and on the way there's robbers there's raiders there's all kinds of enemies on the way and so in a state of not knowing what to do here's what Ezra does so I proclaim the fast I proclaim the fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God see you're not entitled to divine direction when you are a prideful person. Because when someone's prideful, first of all, they don't even seek out divine direction. When somebody's prideful, they think these things. I can do it my way. I'm strong enough to get it done. I don't need anybody's help. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I can do this. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto men. Its end is the way of death. So that's why the Bible says pride comes before fall. Fasting and prayer is a sign of humility. You're telling God, Lord, I can't do it by myself. I don't know what to do in this situation and circumstance. I desperately need your help. And to prove it, I'm not even interested in eating until I receive clear instructions as to what to do. So I proclaim the fast, Ezra said at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, for our little ones, and for all our possessions. So God is interested. Get this. God is interested in guiding you, not only yourself, your children. God wants to show you things in this time of fasting and prayer that will allow you to become a better parent, to have a spiritual sensitivity to his voice that will allow you to to direct your children in the way of the Lord so as to prevent them from hardship in life, things you may have gone through. Fasting and prayer will give you instruction from heaven to guide not only yourself, the Bible says, our little ones, the children, the next generation. You know, there are a lot of people who they believe that life is the greatest teacher that's a bunch of horse rubbish, horse manure. That's not true. Life is not the best teacher. What an insult to the Holy Spirit, and what an insult to the Word of God. All scripture is given by God, inspired by Him, profitable for teaching and training. doesn't say all lessons or all experiences in life are profitable for teaching. Now, I'm not saying that if you go through something, God can't teach you things in that, but His Number one way of teaching is not through experience. God teaches and directs us via His Word. His Word is the vehicle of His instruction. We receive divine direction from His Word and from the Holy Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of wisdom and counsel. So you could go the way that the world, you know, it's worldly wisdom to say, well, you know, we just take it as it comes. You know, we we trial and error baby that's the best way to learn just try it failure is the best lesson that's not true there's a failure free zone in life failure free path in life that you can venture on and that's by listening to divine direction via the holy spirit and the word of god ezra didn't say so i sat down with the elders and we just said you know what let's just go Best thing we can do is just go and we'll take it as it comes and we'll, we'll sort things out on the way. That's not what Ezra said. Ezra said, we proclaim the fast to humble ourselves so we can find out, God, we don't know what we're doing. Show us what to do. Some of you are at a gridlock right now. You're at a roadblock in life. Maybe you're at a fork in the road. You have two decisions to make. You, have, uh, you can either go one way or it's one decision, but one decision uh, between two things. You can go one way or the other way. Maybe it's a job, a career. Maybe you have an opportunity to do something and you're fasting and praying right now that God would show you and direct you in the right way to go. I want to encourage you today. God's not trying to hold back instruction from you. God's not trying to make things difficult. See, one of the main reasons people don't receive divine instruction or divine direction is because they don't truly believe God is good enough to actually make things clear to you. They think God is some mysterious God. He's not mysterious. Matter of fact, if you read Deuteronomy, I believe it's in chapter 30, it says God is not mysterious. It actually says that. The Word of God, the instructions of God are not mysterious. He's not, how many of you know he works in mysterious ways? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But TJ, doesn't the Bible say that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Doesn't it say that? Yeah, under the Old Testament, his ways higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, and we didn't know what to do. But under the New Testament, we have received the Spirit of God so that we can have access into the mind of God to think the thoughts of God and know the ways of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Psalm 103 that God made made known his ways unto Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. God desires to make known his way to you. He wants to show you the way to go. He doesn't want you to venture aimlessly in life, going around the same mountain year after year, not knowing what to do and paralyzed and staying stuck in this position because you're afraid that if you take a step forward, it might be the wrong way and you'll collapse. That That's not a life worth living. God, the Bible says, teaches us to profit and he leads us in the way that we should go. Isaiah 48, 17. The Bible says in Jeremiah 6, 16. Matter of fact, let me read it. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who I believe had good insight into how God operated. 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, yes, yes. Ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths. God's saying, ask for me. Ask of me the old path. Ask for me the right way, wherein the good way is, and you'll find rest for your souls. You can either be like the Israelites who went around the mountain 40 years, Or you can be someone like Ezra and say, God, I refuse to go around a mountain for 40 years. I refuse to be lost and confused my entire life, paralyzed by the fear of making a wrong choice that was based on my ability to guess things right. I'm not guessing in life. I'm not estimating. I'm not taking a shot leaping in the unknown. I am going by divine direction. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. For I was ashamed to request of the kings an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king. The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and wrath against those who forsake him. Verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God for this and he answered our prayer. He showed them. He showed them. Some of you, it's a career. You don't know what career to go in. Maybe you had an opportunity or a promotion that's been opened up, and you're asking God, Lord, should I go in that direction? God is going to make that clear on this fast in the mighty name of Jesus. Some of you are believing God for direction, With regards to you entering into the full-time ministry, I feel that special in my spirit right now. There's some of you watching that you've felt a call of God in your life and you're wondering whether you're called to full-time ministry, whether you should go to Bible college or not. God is gonna make that very clear. The Bible doesn't say he led Israel out by mystery. It says by a pillar of cloud by uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was an obvious thing. It was an obvious thing. It was a clear, clear direction. It wasn't some wind that blew and they said, you know what, maybe the Lord's bringing us here. You talk about how some people are led by the Spirit. You know, I was praying about this and I looked up into the sky and there was a cloud that looked like, are you serious? The Bible says he leads by a pillar of fire. It's an obvious thing, it's a clear thing, it's something that you can't mistake. For, some, for, for another thing. It's a, it, unmistakable guidance. He will show you the way to go. You look at it in Moses. Moses is fasting and prayed for 40 days and nights on the mountain. And that's where he received clear instructions for the 10 commandments, which I said yesterday has paved the way for modern day judicial systems pretty much worldwide. It was during a time of fasting and prayer that Moses received instructions on how to lead the Israelite people. Second Chronicles. I want to read this because this came into my spirit before while I was preparing. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you. Maybe something has come against you at the end of 2022. Something has come against you in recent days. And it's totally baffled you, put you into the corner, and you don't know what to do. You've been faced with a situation, a circumstance that you're at loss of words for. You don't know. You genuinely have no idea with how to deal with this present situation ahead. Well, here's what, here's what Jehoshaphat did. A great multitude's come against you beyond the sea from Syria, and they're in Hezazan Tamar, which is En Gedi, and Jehoshaphat feared but he didn't stop at fear. You might be facing something that has caused genuine fear to stir up from in, from your heart. You're actually afraid. Of, you don't know if you're going to make it through this thing. Maybe it's bankruptcy. Maybe it's an, a financial report that you don't know if you're going to even, uh, you're, you're going to be with a home by the end of this year. Fear comes to everyone. Even the great generals of faith are not. Uh, are not uh, exempt from fear. Fear is is part of the flesh, the carnal nature. Fear, it can come. But how you deal with fear is totally up to you. Totally up to you. You can either fear and wallow in that fear and fall victim to that fear and cripple yourself and not move on and just say, you know what, I'm just gonna roll up into a ball and stay here. Or you can do what Joseph had did. He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered to ask help from the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel like there's some people that are listening to me right now, maybe on the replay, that you need to understand this one thing. God is a helper and desires to help you. I know it's simple ABC stuff. But some people need to hear it again and again and again and again until they finally believe it. Do you know what John said in 1 John chapter 4? John, the beloved apostle of Christ, said, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. There's a lot of people who know God loves them, but they don't believe. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is, don't just know that God is a helper. There's some people who quote, God is a very present help in time of trouble as like it's some fortune cookie paper that you cut out of a fortune cookie. As if it's some, some cliche Christian statement. You've lost the weight of the statement by just quoting it. By just quoting it without believing it. There's a weight to that statement. I don't just quote that God's a very present help in time of trouble. I know and believe God's a helper. Bible says they gather together to ask help from the Lord. Some of you need help today. Don't feel shy about storming heaven as you fast and pray, telling God, Lord, I refuse. I refuse to just sort things out my own way. I need your help. I need you to show me the right way out of this. And God will help you. Look at what he did to Israel. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that nobody is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear us and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? Listen to this, 2 Chronicles 20:12. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming up against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. One of the ways that you show God, my eyes are on you, and I'm not looking to man's help. You know, the Bible says the help of man is useless. There are things that you can go through in life that a man cannot help you with. Totally useless in helping you fight this battle. There are certain things that come against people in life that there's no professional or expert or uh or, or, or studied person that can navigate them out of that storm. Only the hand of God can help you. The Bible says, With man this may be impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible to him that believes. They said, we don't know what to do, nor do we have power. Do you feel powerless against this thing that's come up against you? Do you feel powerless in making a decision, a quality decision in the choice that you're being forced to make right now are you in a place where you absolutely are lost and confused and don't know what to do fast and pray see what will happen look at this now Judah the little ones their wives and children stood before the Lord look at the immediate reaction was when they proclaimed the fast and said God we're not stopped we're not eating until you show us the right way out of this verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, so now he gives them instructions. So he doesn't just say, don't be afraid. I've got it all sorted. You don't got to do anything. No, gives them instructions. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will come up by the ascent of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Men, when you fast and pray and tap into divine, the divine mind, Jesus, the mind of Christ, you start to have a severe advantage over your opponent's. God just outlined their, their, the um, adversary's entire strategy of war right here. He showed Judah and Jehoshaphat and the generals of the army, everything that the enemy was planning and plotting to do. This came by fasting and prayer. God gave them insight into their enemy strategy and then direction as to what they were to do. Go down by the ascent of Ziz. You'll find them there at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You don't need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Don't be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. The Lord is with you. So they rose up early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And Jehoshaphat stood and spoke, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets And you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army and said, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, so the Lord told them, Tomorrow they're gonna be in such and such a place. As they fasted and prayed, divine downloads came into their spirit, showing them the strategy of the enemy and then their position to take, the position of praise. Go down and start to praise. They established those who should praise the Lord and praise the beauty of His holiness before the army. That was the instruction that they received from, uh, from the prophet that the Spirit of the Lord came upon. And they began to sing. And as they sung, look at what happened. The Lord set ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they were defeated, destroyed one another. No one had escaped. And then they just plundered the spoil of war. So, point number nine 15 benefits of fasting and prayer is that God will guide you continually and show you the right way. And when you go, the, let, me tell, let me tell you something. When you go the way that God's laid out for you, it is impossible to be defeated. Not, it'll be better for you. I mean, it'll be impossible for the enemy to take you out. When you go God's way, the Bible says, in the way of righteousness is life, honor, and riches. When you go on the path of divine direction and guidance, what did Psalm say? Psalm 23, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will never lack peace, provision, power, strength, joy, you will not lack anything, for he leads you by still waters. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. The Bible says, he leads you in the paths of his righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're in a place where you don't know what to do, you don't know what route to take, you're you're at a, a place where there's a fork in the road, you're in the valley of the shadow of death oppositions come against you the bible says don't be afraid for the lord is with you he will guide you with his staff and his rod which is his word he'll guide you fasting and prayer puts you in tune to receive clear downloads from the spirit of god so that he guides you out of the valley of the shadow of death and into the land that flows with milk and honey a land of blessing and a land of goodness." he says he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies when you're on the way of righteousness when you follow God's path for your life it doesn't matter what enemy comes against you he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies no matter what the enemy's trying to do all the efforts the strenuous efforts that he's using against you will be in vain you'll just be feasting while he's crying Because it says he'll anoint your head with fresh oil. Your cup will overflow with blessing. And goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Hallelujah. You look in Acts chapter 13. New Testament example of fasting and praying for direction. Let me read it. Acts chapter 13. I told you I'd spend the majority of this broadcast on divine guidance. Because a lot of people, this is exactly what they fast for. They're They're at a roadblock and they need to know the way out. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, well, I don't believe in the New Testament we have to fast. This is New Testament. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work unto which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So they fasted and prayed for direction as to who God was calling for this work of ministry. so I said it before if you're believing God for clarity as to what God's called you to, some people watching me, you feel a call into full-time ministry you la- you have a lack of clarity fasting and prayer will actually uh, will, will eradicate eliminate all the confusion as to whether God's called you or not to a work or an office of ministry. they fasted and prayed the Holy Spirit said these men are to be separated for the work of ministry. And having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Don't live life, please, if you can get anything from today. Don't live life hoping you're getting it right. Don't live life hoping things are going to work out. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own initiative. Only what I see my father doing, that do I in like manner. Jesus said, I don't just do what I feel like doing only what i see my father doing that's what i do in like manner matter of fact uh i've said this oftentimes throughout the years if you follow this broadcast that the plan of god is not something you determine for yourself and then hope god blesses you're the plans that you engage with in life are not something you just hope you you determine you come up with by yourself and hope that as you fast and pray, God's gonna bless it. The plan of God's not to be determined, it's to be discovered. It's to be discovered. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it. God wants to show you what to do in this year, He wants to give you specific assignments, He wants to show you uh, precise things. And as you follow it, you can expect blessing, goodness, and mercy to follow you. Number 10 benefits of fasting and prayer. It'll strengthen your bones. Isaiah 58 says that when you fast, is this not the fast I've chosen? Yes, it'll strengthen your bones. There's a lot of Christians who may not be sick, but they're weak. And God doesn't want you not just to, to be uh, healthy, but he wants you to be strong. Be strong and courageous. Oftentimes he admonishes his people throughout the entirety of the Bible. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power Of his might. It's one thing to not be sick. It's another thing to not be weak. Isaiah 40, 31. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord, fasting and prayer is a way that we wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you're hanging on by a string? Do you feel like you're on the brink of burnout? It might sound counterintuitive to go on a fast when you feel like you're gonna burn out. But it actually, it actually is a divine strategy to replenish your strength. Fasting and prayer is a divine strategy designed to replenish your strength. Even youth will faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord, fasting and prayer is a type of waiting on the Lord, shall renew their strength. Then it says, they will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. God has no interest in you crawling your way through this year. God has no interest in you barely making it, barely getting by, traveling on barely getting along street. God wants to infuse in you this year supernatural strength in your bones so that you're able to do on any given day Three times as much a normal human could be able to do. He doesn't want you to merely survive. God has a plan for you to thrive. You got to think of it this way. Moses, who fasted 40 days twice, the Bible says at 120 years old, his strength was not abated. He didn't have a lack of strength. At 120, he wasn't like winding down, He didn't die because of old age. He just, the Lord just took him. The the Bible says his strength was not weakened, nor did his eyes grow dim. He still had 20-20 vision, and he had strength in his body. Caleb, at 85 years old, said, I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40 to fight and win the victory, go into battle. Psalm 92 says that um, the Lord will anoint you with fresh oil and He'll anoint you with strength like a wild ox. An ox is no weak beast. An ox is a strong beast. It pulls heavy equipment. There's a lot of people who who can't pull anything. They cannot pull their weight in the kingdom of God because there's a lack of ox strength. When you fast and pray, God promises, I'll strengthen your bones so that you'll become strong like an ox so that you can pull your weight in that which God's called you to do. Number 11, benefit to fasting and prayer. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, you shall be like a, wall, a well-watered garden whose waters will not fail. This is an interesting one. You'll be like a well-watered garden whose waters will not fail. Fasting and prayer will make you a source of life, encouragement, and strength, not only for yourself, for others. The river of living water, Jesus spoke of in John seven thirty seven. when you fast and pray, it begins to burst forth at the seams. And you actually set up an environment where people can come and taste and see and drink from those same waters that flow from you so that they themselves can be encouraged, strengthened, That you become a life-giving, not you yourself, but the Holy Ghost and the rivers of water in you when you fast and pray begin to flow from you and it becomes a source of life-giving strength to others. Hallelujah. You'll be like a well-watered garden. You won't be dry. The Bible says there are people who trust in their own strength that they'll never see prosperity when it comes. The Bible says they'll be dry like a wilderness But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by rivers of water. God does not want you to, you know, there's a lot of Christians that say, I feel like I'm in a dry state. Well, if you're in a dry state, go on a fast, go on a fast, supplement your prayer with fasting. If you feel like your prayer life has died out, there's no more life to it. You, I mean, I've done this oftentimes. People think that I'm exempt from this because I'm a preacher and I preach strong and all that. No, I, the reason why I preach strong, the reason why I can exert fervency and zeal from my spirit when I preach, the reason why you never see me get up on a pulpit and I feel dull and dead and dry is because I actively fast and pray so that I maintain this well-watered garden environment. I don't wanna be a dried up. I've heard dried up preachers I've heard dried up sermons. They're dead sermons speaking to dead people that produces nothing. Everything's dry, it's stale, it's old, it's, 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 it's smoldering. I've made up my mind. I'm gonna be a preacher that has impact. I'm not gonna be a TED Talk speaker. I'm gonna be a preacher that like Jesus, you know, the works you see me do, Jesus said, you will do in greater works. Part of that is his preaching ministry. I'm going to be like Jesus when I preach, where people come and are astonished at his words because his words are spirit and they are life. If you feel like your prayer life's died out if you feel if you're a minister and you feel like your words don't carry the same weight and power go on a fast and pray that God anoints you afresh and anew with Holy Ghost fire so that when you speak you have the same pressure and power Jesus had in his words that those two men on the road to Emmaus as they heard Jesus speaking they said our hearts burnt within us along the way if the word of God's not burning in you it won't burn through you and it It won't burn in others. You need to maintain this this zeal through fasting and prayer so that you never become some lackadaisical preacher, some Christian that's lukewarm, indifferent, apathetic. I don't want to be. That's what fasting and prayer will do. It'll burn out lukewarmness from you. It'll purge you from indifference. It'll burn out. All the hindrance of the flesh that would prohibit you from being used mightily of God. It burns out the distractions, the the lure towards distractions. It burns out that North American patsy Christianity. And it puts in you Holy Ghost Christianity. Book of Acts that same substance that was in Paul where he says nothing in life moves me the only thing that moves me is the call and assignment of God on my life and I press towards the goal I forget those things which are behind Uh, one thing I do I press towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus I see the angel of heaven lighting a match of the fire of God and casting it on you right now the fire of God's coming on you afresh and anew today in Jesus name all signs of lukewarmness are being extinguished exterminated by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. The all-consuming fire of God is heating you up for Christian service and duty. In Jesus' name, gone are the days of lukewarmness. Gone are the days of, of you having to drag yourself to church. Church will become a delight for you. Gone are the days of you having to drag yourself into the prayer closet. Prayer shall become a delight for you again. In Jesus' mighty name. Number 11, you'll be like a well-watered garden. Number 12, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Isaiah 58 says one of the benefits of fasting is you will raise up the the foundations of many generations. What does that mean? You might come from a family where the last three generations has been characterized by alcohol abuse, drug abuse, And all kinds of addictions. And your family. There's no dignity to your family anymore. God said, I want to use you to restore the foundation of many generations. The dignity to your family. I want to create a new legacy. That's what the Lord is saying. I want to create a new legacy, a new heritage through you. This is the story of my life. I remember you know, my father didn't come from a a, a, a Christ, like a, a strong Christian background. They were nominal Catholics. And when he met my mom, my mom, she attended a Pentecostal church. She ended up bringing him to church. He thought they were nuts, but he was going after the girl, so he stayed a little. And then after a while, he ended up getting saved. He got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And uh, it gave him the opportunity now that... From me, a new generation of Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled Christians can come. doesn't have to be what it's been. I can repair or restore the foundations of many generations. I can be the first one in my family for a long while to actually come out of the clutch of sin, the pollution of this world, the stain of demonic influence And set up an environment in my home. Whereby. Preachers come from. Whereby Holy Ghost businessmen come from. Whereby things are different. And so I remember. I would be. I would be uh, on my way out to party or whatever. I'd have a bottle of Jack Daniels in my hands. And uh, I'd be on my way to a club. Wouldn't be home till the next morning. And I remember as I was leaving. My father. My father wouldn't be eating the nighttime meal with everyone else. And I asked him, why aren't you eating? He said, because I'm fasting for you. And he would fast and he'd take time to pray. And he'd go to fast, uh, the prayer meetings that were every night at the church. And he'd fast and pray, believing that God would just save me and just, just touch my heart so that I wouldn't have to go down that route. And he did it year after year. He'd see me walk out with a bottle of this and a bottle of that, out partying, eventually getting into harder drugs, and it never discouraged him and it never got him to stop or quit. He kept on fasting. He kept on praying. He was praying and fasting with this in mind. I'm gonna raise up the foundations of many generations. I'm gonna repair this. And as he fasted and prayed, God honored his his prayer. Because one year, in about probably between April and May of 2012, God got a hold of my heart and I got saved. And when I got saved, God, my, my father got a whole lot more than he bargained. He just wanted me to get saved and go to church again. I ended up getting a call into the ministry, got filled with the Holy Spirit in September 27, 2012, was in Bible college by January, 2013, Started preaching my first sermon in 2014 in Guatemala. Then in 2015, got married and entered into the full-time ministry. 2016, full-time, no other job. And I've been preaching ever since then, leading others to the same saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. He repaired the foundations of many generations. And now I have the opportunity through fasting and prayer to continue that which my father began. Hallelujah. Not too long after my brother gets saved, now he's a board member at our church. I mean, let me tell you, no matter what your family looks like right now, if I was hooked on drugs, my brother was hooked on drugs, we were not very uh, holy people. In the natural, it didn't look like we were going to do much for God. And yet, it didn't matter to God. The devil said, I will. The devil said, I will. The devil said, I will. God said, you will not. And God changed us. He set a new pattern for our family. And now from our family, this will be the new norm restored the foundations of many generations i prophesy in jesus name you might be the first one to come out of that messy situation and that family that's been categorized and characterized by all kinds of, of of uh worldly pollution drug addiction gambling addiction anger unforgiveness has plagued your family you might you might be the first one but you won't be the last one You shall be used by God to restore the foundations of many generations in Jesus' name. Your life will set the pace for your children They won't have to go through what you went through. They won't have to suffer that which you suffered. Remember, in Deuteronomy 30, it says, choose life that both you and your descendants will live. The decision you have made to choose life and to fast and pray, to be used to restore the foundations of many generations, it will affect not only your life, but generations after you will be affected, just like David. Hallelujah. Do you understand? David lived such a life of purity before God. He lived such a life that was after God's own heart, pleased God throughout his life, that years, hundreds of years, I think it's like 250 years later, God is displeased with the king of Israel, but he said, for the sake of David, your your father, I will not destroy you. For the sake of David, your father, I will not destroy you. You can do something and set up something for generations after you that even if someone gets off route, it's for the sake of your life that God shows favor to them and in wrath remembers mercy. Number 13, repairer of the breach, restorer of streets to dwell in. This comes hand in hand with number 12, fasting and prayer can shift the direction of a city, state, and nation the restorer of streets to dwell in. There are many cities in America that you can no longer dwell in. There are many streets in the cities of America that used to be safe, used to be nice neighborhoods, and now they tell you don't go through that neighborhood. If you go, lock your doors. The Bible says one of the benefits of fasting and prayer is you repair the breach and you restore the streets to dwell in. Where there's no more, you know, in 2020, we had all those riots, all that stuff, Fasting and prayer can actually deter all that demonic agenda for rioting in the streets and, and, and uproars in streets and make the streets of America, the streets of Canada, streets once again to dwell in where our neighborhoods are safe. It can act, Fasting and prayer can actually have influence on the crime rate in your community. I'm telling you. It's a real thing. I was listening to a man of God. They were on a fast in July of this year, 40 days of prayer and fasting and all that. And during that time, uh, the greatest fentanyl drug bus was discovered in the United States as they were praying and fasting. I don't think that's coincidence. There's no coincidence in the kingdom of God. There's cause and effect. Number 14, I'll cause you to ride on the high places of the earth. Fasting and prayer will trigger off divine promotion. God is the only one that can promote. And he said, when you fast and pray, I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth where you become the head always and never the tail, above always and never beneath. You feel like you're the runt of the litter? Fast and pray. When you do that, you're humbling yourself before the hand of God. And God said, if you humble yourself before me, I will lift you up. Your lifting up is sure if you'll lower yourself and put yourself in a lowly state through fasting and prayer. God will lift you up and the good news is, is is when God decides to lift you up, there's nobody that can bring you down. There's no force that can that can pull you down when God's decided to push you up. Gravity can't keep you down when the Lord says it's time to rise. As you fast and pray, 2023 will be a year where you where you rise to the top of your field, wherever field you find yourself in, accounting, uh, landscaping, Whatever it is, I I pray in the name of Jesus, as you fast and pray for divine promotion, that God will make you to ride on the high hills of the earth this year. Isaiah 40 verse 31, we talked about it before. He'll renew your strain and you'll mount up with wings like eagles. Eagles don't fly low. Eagles fly higher than any other bird. You will fly high in Jesus' name. And every one of your enemies, there'll be nothing that they can do about it. All they'll do is grind their teeth as they see you go higher and higher. This is a scripture that's popping up into my mind right now. Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light and darkness. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he'll never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He'll not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. established, He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He's dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. Verse 10... The wicked will only see it with their eyes and be grieved and they will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Any force that would try to stop your rising to the top will be totally ineffective in doing so. And not only that, the Bible says, they'll gnash, at their, gnash their teeth at you as they see you rise higher and higher and they have an inability to stop it. Hallelujah. Woo, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are forces against your divine advancement to the high place that God desires for you to get to. But fasting and prayer clears out all the opposition. Number 15, and I finish with this. Feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? And you will be fed with the heritage of Jacob, your father. What is the heritage of Jacob, your father? Fasting and prayer will cause you to have the scent of a field that the Lord has blessed. The heritage of Jacob is the blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, just as it is written, cursed is he that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us who do believe. The blessing of Abraham is the heritage of Jacob, your father. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And then he said, your descendants will be blessed. Isaac, when he was alive on the earth, God showed up to Isaac and said, I'll bless you as I blessed Abraham. Then when Isaac died and Jacob took on the mantle, God showed up to Jacob as he was sleeping by that rock in Bethel and said, just like I was with Isaac and just like I was with Abraham, your father, I will be with you, Jacob. And Jacob's life was blessed. Jacob was blessed in every area of life. Jacob was blessed financially. Jacob was blessed spiritually. Jacob was blessed uh, materially. He had blessing overflowing everywhere. The blessing of Abraham causes you to overflow in every area of life. Fasting and prayer will give you a scent. There'll be a smell on you. You smell blessed. You know, Jacob's son, Joseph, had this. Genesis chapter 38. Let me read this. Powerful, powerful, powerful scripture. And I want you to understand as I read this, this this heritage of Jacob is on you. This blessing of Abraham is on you. We we concluded that in Galatians 3. Genesis 39, listen to this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt to Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh. The captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, listen to this. And the Lord was with Joseph. I want you to write down in the comment section, God is with me. God is with me. The Lord was with Joseph. And what happened? And he was a successful man. See, Moses, in writing Genesis by the Spirit of God, he connects the two. Success with God's presence. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. You couldn't separate the two. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And listen to this. It wasn't a success like, he's successful. We know his life is up in shambles and in flames. But you know what? Joseph is successful because he's got that relationship with God. No, listen to this. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. And his master saw, saw, the blessing is evident. The blessing is visible, not ethereal, visible. The the master saw that the Lord was with him. How? Why did he see that? What what was the, the marker of God's presence in Joseph's life? Why did the master, Potiphar say, no, 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 God, God is with that man. What got him to step back and say, that is the hand of God at work? Because the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had was put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed even the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake. Hallelujah. The heritage of Jacob, which the Bible says when you fast, I will feed you with it. It'll it'll be you have it. But when you fast and pray, it like gets triggered off. It gets activated in your life. That heritage is not only going to affect you, it affects those around you for your sake. Abraham had this. Abraham is blessed. Lot comes with Abraham. Lot has like an environmental blessing because of Abraham's presence. The Bible says there came a time when Lot and Abraham's herdsmen were were in conflict because the land was not able to hold the two of them together. And Abraham said, let's separate because the land is too small to hold all our possessions. Lot had like an environmental blessing because of his association with Abraham. The heritage of Jacob, your father, puts such a blessing on you that even those around you Get to feed off it too. Even those that are connected to you loosely begin to taste and see of that blessing in their own life. For Joseph's sake, this is an Egyptian heathen who doesn't even know or serve God. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Obed Edom, the Ark of the Covenant, goes to Obed Edom's house, the presence of God on the earth. Within three months, word comes to the king. And David hears, God has blessed the house of Obed-Edom on account of the ark. Everything he had has flourished. Everything he had flourished. Everything he had, his plants, his fig trees, his his pomegranate trees, everything was blossoming. And David heard, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom on account of the ark of the covenant. That's the blessing of God. It causes things to multiply, to increase. The blessing of God, and I know people have a hard time hearing this, But anything God touches grows. Everything God touches grows. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 28, it says, I'll put a blessing on you and into all to which you set your hand to do. Jacob, serving Laban. Laban tries to take advantage of Jacob. God gives Jacob supernatural strategy on how to deal with the cows. The print on the cows and all that. And Jacob ends up coming out of that deal that Laban had designed to screw him over. Jacob comes out of that deal on top. That's what the heritage of Jacob does. It always brings you out on top. Always brings you out on top. Because you're not operating on a human frequency and human understanding. You have divine frequency and divine understanding flowing through you. Hallelujah. Feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. No matter how much people tried to jo- screw Jacob over throughout his life, the blessing of God always led him in to abundance, to increase, and got him ahead of the crowd every single time. That'll be your story in Jesus' name. This end time transfer of wealth, end time transfer of riches, is coming into the hands of the righteous for the purpose of getting the Great Commission out at a higher level than ever before. Position yourself for that. Fast and pray. This favor will be seen on you this year. As you fast and pray, it'll like increase. You know, you can grow in favor. It's a true thing. You can grow in favor. The Bible says that may grace and peace multiply unto you through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace multiply. So grace and peace, which is ultimately favor in a nutshell, can be multiplied. When you fast and pray, you're multiplying that so that it's activated in your life. Every Christian has access to this. Only those that take the steps necessary to activate it will see its tangible blessing in manifestation. Those are 15 benefits of fasting and prayer listed out of Isaiah 53. I pray that this has helped you. I pray that it's encouraged you and strengthened you. To, uh, to set your expectation for this fast at a high level. Don't expect little things. God's a big God. Go big or go home. He said, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. Not minimal things. Great and mighty things which you know not of. I want to... I, I realize I haven't done this this year and I want to do it right now. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ... You're not right with God. There's no better way to start the year than to get right with God. Make sure your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 2023 could possibly be the last year of the church on earth. The rapture could happen at any time. I'm not a date setter or anything, but every prophecy leading up to Jesus' return has been fulfilled. There's nothing holding it back. He can come back right now. He can come back this year. And signs are showing that his return is nearer than people and even Christians think it to be so I would give you, I I would encourage you right now. It's not an option. Get right with God. Choose life today. Start the year out by giving God your, your heart, asking him to forgive your sins. Whatever happened in 2022, forget those things which are behind. Don't be bound by your past. Don't say, well, I've got a lot of stuff to sort out before I get to God you'll never come to God. It's pride that keeps people from God. Well, I've got to sort things out. You'll never sort it out by yourself. Give it to God. Cast your cares on him. He cares for you. He'll make every crooked place straight. He'll sort things out for you because he loves you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you do that right now. If you have, but you'd like to recommit your life to Christ, you do that right now with me. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, pray this with me right here and right now. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. I know that I've sinned. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by your blood. For I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord I will live for you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And where I was weak, make me strong. I'm a new creature. Today, old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Heaven is my home. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord. And I'm never looking back. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click that, fill out the form. Never gonna hassle you for money or anything like that. I just wanna send you a package free of charge. It has a Bible, it has some reading material just as a way of getting you started and welcoming you into the family of God. Welcome to the family of God connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you. And until next time.